0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's more fun to be there live for Los Angeles Chargers football. And when you need tickets, Ticket Masters got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Los Angeles Chargers and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you a 360-degree preview of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if you change your plans, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze, and you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com chargers.
1: Welcome back to the first edition of the Analytics with Arjun for the 2023-2024 season. Um, For those of you who may not know who I am because you're just newly subscribed to the as Charge podcast per the Chargers Podcast Network, my name is Arjun Menon. I'm a senior at the University of Michigan. Um, I haven't, I wasn't doing videos over the summer because I actually just completed an internship with the New York Jets. Um, it was something I've been working towards, you know, my whole college career and was lucky enough to be offered a spot with the New York Jets for the summer. Learned a lot, had a great experience, met some great people, but that inter- my internship has ended. Now I'm back at college and back to making videos about the Chargers. So, um, for those of you who haven't seen my videos throughout the season, basically I tried to. Uh, Scout opposing teams, put together put together tendencies, look at efficiency for formations, personnel, things like that. And so, you know, we're going to jump straight into it with Miami Week One. Do a game prediction, maybe even season prediction at the end. But I'm happy to be back with the Guilty as Charged boys. And uh, again, like had a really great summer, but now that I'm back in college, we're back to making videos like I was normally last year. So I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. Um, For those of you who, you know, watched my videos last year, this is very similar to what I was doing last year. It's actually the exact same game plan. Um, I'm actually working on something really, really cool that I think will, it's a step much bigger step up from this. Um, But obviously, I just need, you know, I need some time having to move back into college and also uh, yeah not really be able, being able to work on it over the summer given my opportunity with the Jets So again this is just a game plan I put together it's it's a really easy thing to go through but um, I'm actually gonna not even talk about the Miami defense or even scout them because it is Vic Fangio's defense there really is no point uh, looking at the Dolphins uh, defensive. Uh, tendencies or numbers from last year so I'm going to skip past that we're going to jump straight into what Miami's offense looked like last year and how it could be the similar how it could be similar or change for this upcoming season so first things as first we always look at their personnel packages Miami ran the fourth lowest amount of 11 personnel last year now this one's interesting because uh, Mike Isecki is you know he's a tight end but Miami used him in the slot a lot so Technically, when they went 12, as much as they did, uh, he was a big slot guy, right? But in reality, they were going 11. So this number you know, I would probably just add 46.43% plus whatever this bar is for 12 personnel. But the interesting thing about Miami's offense is they ran a lot of 21 personnel. And for those of you who you know may not have seen the news, they just recently extended Alex, Alec Ingold. I think they gave him just below what Kyle Luszczyk is making. He is a big factor in what Miami tries to do on offense. And as you can see, I think they ran the most amount of 21 personnel last year of any offense. And I'm expecting that to continue given their offseason moves. And they didn't really add any tight end in the draft or or um in free agency. So, you know, I think it's going to be a heavy dose of 11 and 21 personnel. Now, we can see here that was actually the case. They ran 384 plays out of 21 personnel. Now, 21 personnel includes a standard like eye formation or, you know, under center where Al Kingold lined up as a fullback. It also includes pony packages, which I'm not sure if the Dolphins did all that much last year with Mostert and Matt Breida. Uh, or not Matt Burita, uh, Mostert, uh, Savant, Ahmed, and then uh, I think it was Miles Gaskin, and then Jeff Wilson. Like, I don't think they ran pony personnel that much or their pony packages, but they did use a lot of Alec gold. And so you can see, you know, a lot of 11 and a lot of 21. Now, these numbers, again, for those of you who are new to the channel, my preferred method of evaluating offenses and defenses is uh, by EPA per play. EPA stands for expected points added basically we're putting a point total on how much a play is worth given the outcome of a play so basically to read this when they were in one personnel which is zero to, uh it, it's uh yeah zero tight ends one running back the offense added about 0.35 points every single time they ran a play out of that personnel. When the offense was in 11 personnel, they only added about 0.018 points every single time they ran a play out of that uh, personnel package. Um, Miami, they were a very pass heavy team. As you can see, they passed the ball over expected from every single personnel except 21. Which you know you can you can expect when a fullback's on the field, you're going to run the ball more than expected. So uh, Miami was a very pass-heavy team last year with and without Tua, and that's the thing. Like I think these EPA numbers, this is including games that Teddy Bridgewater started, it's including games that Skylar Thompson started, and for the most part, you know the Dolphins were a very efficient offense or pretty efficient offense with Tua up until that four-week stretch where they played the Niners, the Chargers, uh, the Packers, and. The uh the bills where every single game Tua ended up with a negative EPA per play. So for the most part, the Dolphins were a productive offense. Again, production doesn't equal quality QB play. Uh, as as you know, many of us kind of watched last year. But yeah, overall, you can expect a lot of eleven and a lot of twenty one personnel from the Dolphins. Um, this is also something I like to look at. Just you know how, and this is something you can pause if you're watching on YouTube. Just how do how do the Dolphins kind of pl- put players? in with certain personnel. So you can see, you know, when they were in 21, it was a lot of Alec Gold uh, of the 376 snaps. He was in on 21 personnel on 353 of these. So as I talked about the the pony packages, you could see that we can estimate there's about 23 plays where they ran pony packages from 21 personnel based on him not being on the field. Given that theres not there wasn't another fullback that saw the field for the Dolphins last year. Again, those are two running backs on the field at the same time. You know, maybe other you know other ones to take note. Mostert was the main guy in eleven personnel. You, you he would you know he's the guy that if you spread out the, the defense when you're in eleven, he's the guy that can hit that hole and take it to the house given his long distance speed. Um, last year you can see Gasecki was the main guy in eleven. He was the tight end when they wanted to. Uh, pass the ball when they went a little bit heavier when they went 12 it was more durham Smythe. he was the guy that played more snaps in 12 personnel than mike iseki obviously mike iseki has gone so this kind of tendency is kind of useless but as we go through the season you know that that's something to keep a note of you know how how we can read these tables and kind of understand what an offense uh, looks like Um going back to formations uh, you can see here that the dolphins out of each offensive uh, formation they were the most successful out of pistol which you know given the sample size of at least 29 plays that's kind of a, a fair sample size but the important thing to note is when they were in pistol they they ran the ball about 27 percent more than expected which is a huge number but then when they, when they went to shotgun they passed the ball about 10 or about 11 percent more than expected so again those kind of uh you know tendencies i think are important to pick up on they were pretty uh efficient running, plays out of shotgun and running plays out of pistol. Um, not very successful under center. I think mean, Tua is definitely a shot, uh, a shotgun slash, slash pistol quarterback. He's a guy that, you know, catch the ball RPO or catch the ball one read slam, one read post, one one read drift. When he's under center and he has to, you know, do a five or seven step drop and he has to maybe go through some progressions, the offense really wasn't that successful. And especially like out of empty where you're spreading the defense out and you, you get to pick your poison, just the offense wasn't that productive um so you know I I don't know what the Dolphins are going to do this year especially losing Gasecki. but at least last year they were very very efficient when uh running plays out of shotgun now looking at how the Dolphins performed during each part of the field look you know for for all the crap we give to I think as a as a, as a collective Chargers fan base, the, the Dolphins were very efficient throwing the ball over the middle of the field. When they threw it between 10 and 19 yards, they threw they threw the ball in that area over the middle of the field 77 times. And they added about seven tenths of a point over the course of a season. So you can, you know, do some maybe quick math that kind of comes to about over 50 points that they added throwing simply over the middle of the field within 10 to 19 yards. They were even more efficient throwing it deep over the middle of the field. Uh, and they, they, you know, threw that pass about 25 times where Tua was not efficient at all, was short and behind the line of, well, no, no real quarterback is efficient throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage, but Tua really struggled or the Dolphins offense in general really struggled throwing the ball right and short. So one to nine yards, air yards, um, intended air yards and then you know to the right side of the field for Tua. again he's throwing across his body in that direction and the offense lost about th- uh, 0.3 points every single time that he threw a pass or any quarterback threw a pass uh, to their right so again um, you know very very efficient offense at throwing over the middle of the field most Shanahan style offenses are but the offense really did struggle throwing outside the numbers and especially short. Um, Just looking at the Dolphins receiving weapons, obviously Waddle and Hill were the two main guys, very, very efficient guys. And, um, you know, the Dolphins didn't really add anyone noteworthy in in free agency that that I think the Chargers should be worried about. It's really just stopping these two guys and, you know, that gets the job done. Um, Looking at the Dolphins rushing efficiency. So you can see here they were very, very inefficient running the ball inside uh, you know basically inside the a gaps, so the guard gap is between the center and the guard, so they lost about point two points every single time they ran the ball and you know that that wasn't a small sample size like they kind of split up that their rushing distribution evenly forty nine plays where they ran it to the left. Uh, between the garden center and 51 plays where they ran it to the right between the garden and the center. And they were both very, very inefficient. Where they were super efficient was kind of those outside zone plays. So you can see they averaged a positive EPA when running towards the end. So outside of the tackles, both on the left and right side, more so on the right, which is interesting given that, you know, Toronto Armstead is playing on that left. They were just more efficient running to the right. Now, luckily, Chargers have Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack for this game. So hopefully those edge, Run should be contained a little bit more. And, you know, if you're a friend of the pod, you've seen, or, you know, this guy, uh, M-I-B-P-J 2 on Twitter. Uh, we've had him on the pod before. Great guy. Absolutely. Absolutely love his stuff. I'm pretty sure he had a graphic that showed the Chargers are one of the worst teams historically at outside run on defense in the past, like 10 or something years. So, you know, I, I attribute, attribute most of that to having to play Chris Rum and Calvin, no extended snaps over Joey Bosa last year. But now that Bosa's healthy, now that Max's healthy, you know, they need to be able to stop some of these outside runs, given how efficient the Dolphins were doing them. Uh, this is Dolphins stuff, and this is just uh, some of the Dolphins rushers. So you can see, like, you know, Jeff Wilson was their most efficient rusher uh, by EPA, uh, but Raheem Mostert had a higher yards per carry. Most of that, I think, is just being more explosive and having more touches that led to more yards. Um, but by EPA at least uh, Jeff Wilson added the most points to the Dolphins team um, I'm not going to do the soft scouting just because uh, again completely new offense for the Chargers Um, I guess the thing we can look at is is that rushing efficiency and you can look at like this is it like this is the main thing Um, the Chargers were super they were really bad at uh, like outside runs on defense so offenses added about 0.3 points when teams ran to the left outside the tackles they added about 0.45 points when teams ran to the right outside of the tackles and those are the, the dolphins best uh run gap so again things to things to keep note of there um i have a couple graphs that i wanted to show just about two uh because obviously that's you know going to be a big point of contention the first graph i'm looking at again all these graphs are coming from my one of my great friend, best friends uh, judah forking goes by at throw the damn ball on twitter we interned with pff last year did some amazing work um, this graph is basically looking at perfect coverage uh, QB uh, production versus perfect coverage or not. Perfect coverage basically means every single coverage defender on their on a play did their job, um, and that's it's kind of a method that we developed at PFF, basically using PFF coverage grades. But you can see Tua was the best quarterback by far when any defender messed up. He uh, he added about six points every single play. a a defender messed up their assignment or got graded negatively in coverage. But when every single player did their job perfectly on defense, he was the worst quarterback in the NFL. So game plan is simple. Don't mess up on defense and you're going to get a, you know, probably you're going to get a bad performance from Tua. Now that's easier said than done. Most defenses mess up coverage about 60% of the time. So it's, again, it's really just limiting the amount of mistakes you make because Tyreek and Waddle have the speed to make you pay for any mistake you make on defense. On The second graph, again coming from my friend Judah, uh, looking at middle of the field, a dot and accuracy. So again, two is in this bottom right. He throws the ball over the middle of the field, pretty deep. He's averaging about like eleven yards uh, average at the tar- yeah eleven average eleven yards average at the target. But he was one of the least accurate quarterbacks when throwing over the middle of the field. He's going to give you opportunities to you know making it to turn. A pass into an interception. We saw that last year. There were multiple times he threw a ball. He threw balls behind receivers. He threw balls into defenders' hands. There was one the the one pass on third down. It went through Kenneth Murray and Drew Tranquil's hands. There's going to be opportunities by two when he throws it over the middle of the field. Yes, you're going to get some explosive plays. Yes, there are going to be plays where it's a play action drift swirl, and you're going to have Waddle or Tyree coming over the middle of the field on a crosser, and it's going to be open. But there are going to be plays where he skies the ball, throws it behind, and those are the balls the Chargers need to take advantage of. Final graph is just looking at qb uh, epa versus uh disguised coverages so you can see like brandon Saley, his whole mo right is um he wants to he wants to make quarterbacks think the problem is with the dolphins because they have so much speed it's very tough if you rotate from one high to two high or two high to one high if you're asking a lot of your safeties to kind of you know pedal backwards into, uh, from single high to cover four, or cover six, or you're asking a lot from your cornerbacks to kind of hold up in single high, but then you're rota- rotating back to too high or vice versa. Right. And so defenses didn't really try to disguise their coverages as much on Tua because he was super efficient. Like the offense with him at quarterback was the most efficient offense in the NFL. When teams tried to disguise their coverages on him. Now, a lot of his stuff is one read. And again, when you're disguising coverages, it's a lot of moving pieces, So I think, you know, it's, it's kind of just my theory with that, but because safeties are rotating or cornerbacks are rotating or linebackers having to go, you know, hit the flats, because there are that many moving pieces because Tua is kind of that one read point and shoot type quarterback. He does very well when, you know, teams try to do too much instead play more single high, play more, you know, cover three show cover three, and then, you know, maybe play some man. I think uh, Steven Ruiz, Deontay Lee wrote some pieces last year about how the chargers defense really flummoxed Tua by showing man on early downs and then you know going from you know showing too high and then playing too high but showing too high to man and then playing like cover four cover six so again i don't think it's necessarily in the Chargers' best interest to kind of disguise their shells um it's really just making sure they actually keep it because again when they when defenses did execute against the dolphins last year uh to a really did struggle okay that's gonna that's gonna wrap it up for my first episode uh, back again, a little bit of a shorter one, I think, than than my normal ones, but I um, again, I didn't really wasn't doing a Chargers self-scout and uh didn't have anything on the on the Dolphins defense. Game prediction, I think the Chargers won this one. I think the the offense is gonna come out red hot. Um Toronto Armstead, even if he plays, he's gonna be banged up. And we saw how good Bosa and Mac looked last year when they came into week one fully healthy. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a 30 to 24 prediction Chargers win in SoFi 1-0. In terms of the season prediction, you know, I I'm very bullish on this offense. I'm not very bullish on the defense. I I think they didn't really make any moves to improve the defense. Um, And we just haven't seen Staley's defense really succeed over the course of a season. So um, I think season prediction, it's probably pretty stale and 10 and seven make the playoffs. Not really sure what happens after that, because with Justin Herbert, you have the chance to win any game uh, no matter how banged up you are. But, it's just that defense, man. I can't, I can't really trust that run defense and you don't really know how JC is going to come back. But um, again, really want to thank everyone for watching this video. First video back, hopefully first of many. And again, if you have any ideas, feel free to shoot in my way at Menon 100 on Twitter. But again, uh, until next time, bolt out.